Ladies and special. It is good to have Brother Philemley with us again tonight. At this time, Brother, I'd ask you just come bring the word. It is good to be back with you tonight. I'm going to lower that down because I begin to look at it. I get cross-eyed. Brought something with me tonight. Something that probably has about four or five different names. Now, what would you call this? Crescent Ranch, I heard that. What else? Adjustable. Huh? Monkey Ranch, all right. What else? <laughs> all right, what else? I heard somebody call it a knuckle buster one time. You know? You know, I want you to think about tonight an ordinary tool. The title of the sermon will be Tonight God Uses the Ordinary. An ordinary tool. Now, if you take this tool, I know it's it's not something that our John Deere guys would use, probably. Now, when I was growing up and I was a kid, if I had this and I had a screwdriver, I want to tell you, I could take apart anything and I could just about probably put it right back together. You know, this could be a hammer. It could be a lot of things. But I want you to think about a, a tool tonight, an ordinary tool. It's got several different names. And you can take this tool, and we'll get one of these little ones. Uh, we'll say Ella, right? Ella, your daughter? Well, no, don't bring her up here. She, 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 she might throw this and hit you in the head. But anyway, if you give this to her, she's probably not going to do a whole lot with it. You know, she don't know how to work this thing, use this thing. But you, if you could take a master mechanic, if I could use that word, they could have, they take this thing, they could do a lot of things with this and accomplish some things. Now. Uh, as we think about this, I remember it's been way back. My dad used to drive race cars, and one of his pit crew guys always had an adjustable wrench in his pocket because he never knew what was going to happen, but it would fit most everything. You know, put that in the hands of somebody that knew what they were doing. Maybe a master mechanic, as I said. And I want you to begin to think about your life tonight. If you was to take your life tonight and put it in the hands of the Master, God. What could God do with your life? Whether you be a... And I don't remember anybody's name, really. Whether you be a John, whether you be a 
Trey, whether you be a Jeff, whether you be a uh, Dina, whether you be a Tammy, whether you be any other person, put your life in the hands of the Master. What could be accomplished? I want us to see tonight a lady in the Bible. And I want to talk about her tonight. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Was questioned a little bit more in uh, BTC class and I uh, was talking about sermons, this, that, and the other. And, you know, sometimes there's, there's verses in the Bible that we probably would read and we would just jump right over that verse. Wouldn't think a whole lot about it. I found in commentaries particular verses that I was really interested. Somebody had a question about what does this mean? And I would go to the commentaries and I begin to read. You ever notice that? The very verse you want to read about and learn about, the commentators skip right over it. And I don't know if it's because it's so controversial or they just don't know what it's talking about or what. I don't know. But anyway, if we were to read this verse... We might just skip right over it and say there's not anything important about it, but I want to preach tonight from this one particular verse. Now, there was at Joppa. What took place at Joppa? man by the name of Jonah went to Joppa to board a boat to go to Tarshish. Now, there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. I want you to notice in this verse, she has two names, Tabitha and Dorcas. From studying this, the word the Tabitha is the Aramaic name where the name Dorcas is the name in Greek. Well, I understand. But both of these names mean one particular thing. Now, I want to tell you, Evidently, there's something special about this woman for God to put her in the Bible. Both of these names mean one particular word in our English language. The word is gazelle. Now, you've perhaps seen these uh, uh, nature documentaries where they have all these gazelle animals and they're running down through there. There's two things about a gazelle that I want to talk about tonight, first of all. One is they're very swift. You ever seen the documentaries, Brother Trey? I mean, they're running for their life, it seems like. They're swift. They're fast. The second thing is there's something about their eyes. You go to Webster's Dictionary, it'll tell you in the Webster's Dictionary, gazelle eyes. Now, there's something special about their eyes. God says, I want you to see this woman. Her name's Tabitha. Her name's Dorcas. Her name means gazelle. There's something special about her. There's something special about the gazelle. And I want to tie this together. There's something special about her eyes. Now, you study about her. I did some studying about her. We're going to focus on this one verse. But there's something about her eyes. I believe the Bible teaches us that she has eyes like Jesus Christ. Not that you could look at Jesus' eyes and look at her eyes and say they're exactly the same. But Jesus saw things differently than a lot of other folks saw things. Jesus was God in the flesh. He had those eyes that God saw things. God sees things. Did Jesus ever see straight to the person's heart? 
Yeah, he did. Now, I'm not going to say that Tabitha or Dorcas saw people's heart, but I think she saw with God's eyes and Jesus' eyes. She saw things about people. She saw things about herself, I believe. And there was something special about her. And God said, here she is. Now, she was swift, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. She wasn't a lazy person. She was swift to do things with those God eyes that she saw. She was swift to do things for God. I want to share with you tonight three things in this verse here that we see. One thing that I want to share with you is there's nothing said that she said. You study about Tabitha. The Bible doesn't tell us anything that she said. All it does is tell us what she did. You ever heard the saying? I remember my grandmother telling me, Greg, God gave you one mouth and two ears. Why? She always said you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. God gave, and I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking about this. God gave us two hands and one mouth. Why? God gave us two feet and one mouth. Why? I believe He's telling us that we ought to be working with our hands for the Lord twice as much as maybe we're running our mouth. Working with our feet, going for the Lord twice as much. Here was a woman by the name of Tabitha. God says, I'm not going to tell you anything she said, but I'm going to tell you what she did. Number one tonight, he says she was a disciple. Not an apostle, but she was a disciple. What does a disciple mean? Two things. One is a learner, and the other is a follower. Now, we can sit in here in church, we can learn and learn and learn and learn. But if we don't go outside these four walls and we apply that, and follow the learning, follow the teaching, what good is it? I mean, I'm not the master teacher. The master laid out his word for us to learn from. I can't take your life, just like that ordinary tool, I can't take your life and make something out of it. But God can. Jesus can. Jesus can take your life and do some extraordinary Things. God says she was a disciple. How many other women in the Bible was that title given to? Zero. Just think about the New Testament. Mary, the mother of Jesus, it never was said she was a disciple. Oh, I believe she was a learner and I believe she was a follower. I'm not saying that. We think about John the Baptist's wife, Elizabeth. I mean, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. Get that right. Doesn't say it about her. I mentioned Mary and Martha this morning. Doesn't say that about them. I think of a young man by the name of Timothy. His mother and his grandmother was very instrumental in teaching him. It doesn't say she was, they were the disciples. There's something very special about her. And I want you to begin to see this. As we study this Scripture, and I want you to begin to think about an ordinary person in the hands of the Master, Jesus Christ, and how God can change. 
their life. How God can use them in a great way. The Bible says she was a disciple. The Bible says she was a learner. She was a follower. I want to tell you tonight, the highest compliment that anyone could say about you tonight was that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are a learner. You are a follower. I think about where was the, the Scripture says that they were called Christians first at Antioch. Why did they call them Christians? Because they act like Christ. The highest compliment tonight that could be said about any of us tonight, they are a Christian. They are a disciple. They have those Jesus eyes and they look at things differently. Just like Jesus looks at things. You know the old analogy, every now and then you hear it, that WWJD, what would Jesus do? She didn't have all the Bible back then, but I think she got up in the morning thinking, what would Jesus do? I think she went to bed thinking, what would Jesus do tomorrow? She got at lunch. She thought, "What would Jesus do?" You know what's amazing? That could be said about you, disciple, follower, a learner. Jesus' eyes. God says she was a disciple. Second thing I want us to see is found in this verse. This woman was full of good works. The needs of the people that she was around was important. I think her God was the most important, the God we serve tonight, the only God. But the needs of the people, she was full of good works. Full means full. You see, all in the Bible means all. Not one excluded. Full. I want you to think for yourself just a second. You ever see the commercial where they're talking about animal abuse? You see that commercial and they put it on TV and that dog is chained with that big log chain and he looks scrawny, he looks sick, he looks pale. He's been abused and the heart... Inside of you feels compassion. And then there at the end they say, if you want to help, send money. Now I want you to see the difference. How many of us feel that for that dog, but how many of us actually send money? Now I won't tell you, when the commercial, I've seen the commercial several times, when the commercial comes on, I flip the channel because I don't want to see those animals like that. I feel that compassion for those animals. But do I do anything about it? Do I send that money? Now, I don't say that to say you need to send money. I want you to see this woman here was full of good works. Not only did she see those that were hurting, those that were in need, those that needed help, those that she could help, she not only saw that, she did something about it. Just like when we see those commercials, how many of us give? You know, you have a, a, a missionary come and, 
You see those folks over in, in other Africa or wherever it may be at. I had a teenager this morning ask me about mission trips. I don't know if she's here or not tonight. She asked me about mission trips, going here, there, and yonder. And she was talking about the youth taking a mission trip and helping uh, over in Alabama or wherever it may be at. And I said, what about Africa? She said, well, now, I wouldn't want to go that far. You know, How many of us see those films and those slides of what's going on in Africa and we feel... Well, maybe we are to go ourselves. I want to tell you, Brother Greg, praise God. And I hope, you know, if he calls me to the foreign mission field, I guess I'll have to go. But right now, he's not calling me to the foreign mission field. Those guys are are special, I think. I mean, God's using them, and uh, we need to pray for them. We need to help them. How many of us see that? We think, boy, they need our help. Maybe pick. Throw a little money in the offering plate, but how many of us are willing to go? Here was a woman that saw those that needed help, she, full of good works. Let's go to the next thing we see here. And alms deeds which she did. What does that mean, Brother Greg? I had to study that to see what it was talking about. Back in the Bible times, they didn't have welfare. They didn't have pensions. They didn't have all these government programs we have today. And I'm not preaching against government programs, but I want you to think, they didn't have that. When a woman lost her husband, or a woman was older and a man was older, they had to rely on their family to help them back in the Bible times. If they didn't have family, what did they do? We see the picture of Ruth where she went out and Boaz said, drop some grain down there to take care of that woman. She had to go out and glean out of the field. Elderly folks, can you imagine out in the field today, out there gleaning, trying to get some soybeans or some cotton picked up, you know, with these modern day cotton pickers. I talk about our John Deere guys. The modern day cotton pickers, there'd be a lot of cotton left out there, I think. But anyway, I want you to picture this. What does it mean, Brother Greg? You study these Scriptures, she was a seamstress. She sold. Those elderly ladies, maybe they didn't have money to buy clothes. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have uh, belts and pennies and old navy and all that back in the Bible times. They made their own clothes. And these elderly ladies, maybe they was out in the field gleaning. Maybe they was begging for whatever they could get. Tabitha sent her, spent her time sowing. Full of alms deeds, which she did. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let our light shine before men that they may see your good deeds, and they will do what? Praise the Father in heaven. Praise God. Here was a woman that did for others. But there come a time when she died. All these ladies, they carried her up into this upper room in this particular house. And all these ladies began to circle around her. There she lay there. You study the Scripture, the rest of that chapter, they had on clothes that she had made. 
It even has the idea, some of them had on bonnets and headdresses and hats and stuff that she had made. They had on clothes all over that she had made. They heard about a man by the name of Peter. He was over at another town pretty close. They got a couple guys together and said, Hey, will you go see Peter? Tell him to come. Tabitha's dead. Tell him to come up here. They get to Peter and Peter says, Yeah, I'll go. Peter makes it over there to the house. Peter speaks. And life comes back inside of her. I got to thinking to myself, why her? We think about Stephen that was actually preaching, witnessing for the Lord, and they didn't like it, and they carried him out, and they stoned him to death. Why didn't God raise him from the dead? Why this particular lady? What do we see in her life? Compassion. We can use another word, love. Here was a woman that showed love to everybody. How important is love? I read a little illustration. man was a farmer and his house caught on fire and he got the kids out and the wife out. And I mean, it was so engulfed in flames that it spread over to the barn. before, And they never did get it out. Everything was burned up. The next morning they stood there, the sun coming up looking at the smoke coming up and everything. One of his neighbors come up and said, Hey, brother, if there's anything I can do, put his arm around and said, If there's anything I can do, let me know. And he took off. Going back home. He said it wasn't long till about seven or eight of his neighbors come up. One had a bale of hay. One had some groceries. The other was pulling up. This wasn't that old. The other was pulling up a big camper. They began to set that up. They didn't come up and ask, what can we do? They saw a need. They met that need. Here was a woman that saw a need. And she met that need. God said, love's important. I think about a time when Jesus was questioned. And they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What did he say? Love God. The most important thing. Love God. But he said, wait a minute. He said, the second most important thing is love your neighbor as yourself. Here was a woman that did that. God says, put her in the Scriptures. Ordinary woman. We don't know anything she said. We know what she did. An ordinary tool placed in the hand of the Master. And God put her in the Bible. I want to tell you, today God uses ordinary churches just like this church. You may say, well, Brother Greg, we're extraordinary. Ordinary church. Brother Trey, am I right or wrong? I hope he says I'm right. Huh? Ordinary church. Maybe some good, good people. I'm telling you, good people. God uses ordinary people like me and like you to do some things. But I won't tell you, there was a time 
when God said ordinary will not do. And that was to pay that sin debt. God said it's going to have to be an extraordinary person. All throughout the Old Testament, said we're going to sacrifice and we're going to sacrifice. It's got to be an animal without blemishes. Was anything wrong with some of those animals? There probably wasn't a perfect animal, but they was close to it. But he says there's going to come a time when an ordinary person won't do. And that's Jesus Christ that's got to pay that sin debt. Because He is perfect without sin. I couldn't hang on that cross. You couldn't hang on that cross. Only Jesus could hang on that cross and pay that sin debt. Praise God that Jesus accepted that. Kneeling in that garden, he said, not what I want to do. He said, but what my Father wants me to do. And I'll do it. Praise God, he did it. You may be here tonight, ordinary person. Maybe you hadn't been allowing God to use you. Maybe you hadn't placed your life in the Master's hand the way He wants it placed. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never been saved. You realize now that extraordinary being, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, paid that sin debt. You can be saved tonight. As I said this morning, it's a Sunday night, I got saved. Probably a lot of folks have been saved on Sunday nights. Sitting right here tonight. Come and I'll show you how. Come, Brother Trey. He's going to be right here with me. He'll show you how to be saved. We stand with every verse of the invitation. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray as we come to invitation time, I pray, Lord, You've spoken to all of us, realizing, Lord, that placed in Your hands, we can do great things for You. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to make some decision, and make it tonight. Lord, I pray if there's a lost person, and they realize tonight that they're not saved and they're not in the hand of Jesus, Never accepted Jesus' personal Savior that tonight would be the night before it's everlasting too late. We thank You for Jesus. His name we do pray. Amen.